Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 54 of the Bible in 90 Days. Today we are in Isaiah 53 through Isaiah 66, which means we will finish up the book of Isaiah. Just before we get to Isaiah 53, I want to let you know that there are several outstanding chapters in these final chapters of the book of Isaiah. I'll note them when I come to them, and I'm really hoping that you can take the few minutes necessary to either listen to or read through one or more of these outstanding chapters. Here is Isaiah 53. One of the most incredible chapters in the book, by the way, pointing very clearly to Jesus, the coming Messiah. I'll quote the first few lines. However, if you were going to choose five chapters from the entire Old Testament to read, this chapter, 53, would need to be one of those five. It's that good and absolute must read. So chapter 53, those first few lines that I promised are these. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Chapter 54, another chapter to read, is best captured in these lines. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. It's a chapter full of the assurance of God's love and faithfulness toward his people, promising their full, glorious restoration. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Chapter 55 is an invitation for God's people to seek him, and the chapter is simply a must-read. Again, I told you several chapters in this final section of Isaiah were must-reads. 55 is another one of those. There are several outstanding lines. Here are some of them. The opening lines. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their Chapter 56 begins with assurances of acceptance with God directed specifically at those who might assume they would not be accepted. Here's what I'm talking about. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. And this, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. 
The last of the chapter is a sobering rebuke of unfaithful Israelite leadership. Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. Chapter 57 is a devastating rebuke of Israel's pursuit of pagan deities. Are you not a brood of rebels, the offspring of liars? You burn with lust among the oaks and under every spreading tree. You sacrifice your children in the ravines and under the overhanging crags. While the first two-thirds of the chapter are devoted to this hard-hitting rebuke, the final third expresses God's continuing love for his rebellious people. I will not accuse them forever, nor will I always be angry, for then they would faint away because of me, the very people I have created. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Chapter 58, another chapter you must read, is a hard-hitting critique of Israel's moral decline. This time, however, the focus is not on pagan worship practices, but instead on blatant hypocrisy or, in, other wor- in another word, duplicity. It's summed up well by these lines. Day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. The chapter goes on to describe or imply multiple ways the people's religious practice is flatly contradicted by their abysmal behavior and flagrant injustices. Such an atrocious neglect of justice is the cause of God's inattention to their cries for help. The chapter, however, is not simply a rebuke. It's also an invitation to change their ways and experience the blessings of doing so. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Chapter 59, another chapter to read, continues Isaiah's rebuke of widespread injustice, emphasizing that Israel's problems were not the fault of a powerless God, but of their own making. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. So justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. Justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The last part of the chapter describes God taking action against this injustice. According to what they have done, so he will repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. Chapter 60, in contrast to chapter 59 and several previous chapters in the book, 
is a remarkable prophecy of a restored, prosperous future for Israel. By the way, this theme of a prosperous future for Israel is carried through several of the remaining chapters of the book. Although you have been forsaken and hated with no one traveling through, I will make you the everlasting pride and the joy of all generations. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The next lines, which incidentally are nearly quoted verbatim in the New Testament book of Revelation, are these. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. And this one, your days of sorrow will end. Chapter 61 continues the theme of chapter 60, full of hope and promise of a restored future. Importantly, the first verse is later applied by Jesus to himself. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. The rest of the chapter includes lines such as, They rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. In chapter 66, we find again the theme of restoration. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. The chapter also includes this admonition to God's people to pray. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Chapter 63 begins with a description of God achieving the victory by his own strength. It was for me the day of vengeance. The year for me to redeem had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm achieved salvation for me, and my own wrath sustained me. Following this first section, the remainder of the chapter is a prayer of praise and entreaty. I love these beautiful lines. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Chapter 64 is a prayer of confession and a cry for God's intervention. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. 
Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Chapter 65 begins, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, Here am I, here am I. All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. In the passage, God expresses his utter abhorrence of Israel due to their persistent and pervasive immorality, and yet I will not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, those who will possess my mountains. My chosen people will inherit them, and there will, be, and there will my servants live. At the same time, those who persisted in rebellion would suffer the effects, slaughter, hunger, heartbreak. Finally, the chapter breaks into an incredible depiction of the future. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. In this new world, the inhabitants would be strong and healthy. Invaders would not steal their lands or houses. Even more beautiful, the wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. Chapter 66, the final chapter of Isaiah, expresses God's anger toward those who love doing evil while also promising vindication and restoration for those who love goodness. When you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but his fury will be shown to his foes. God's promise further to those who love goodness, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And that's all for today.